Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. I have been praying for you that through this series in the book of Malachi, that we as believers, the followers of Jesus Christ, would learn to recognize the difference in conviction and condemnation. Conviction is how the Lord shows us he loves us. And as a parent, we all, we all understand that. We all understand the weight of being a parent. We all understand the responsibility and the heaviness that we, that we carry to show our children that we love them. That's a, that's a big weight. But we want our children to know that we love them. We want them to know that that love is unconditional. We want them to know that they don't have to earn that love. But our job as parents in, in showing this love is to provide, is to protect, is to spend time with them and don't ever forget the importance of telling them you love them. But there's one aspect of how a parent shows love that often gets overlooked. And another way that a parent shows love is by correction and discipline. Is by correction and discipline. And I know that one's not a whole lot of fun. I got home last night, me and the boys, yes, had been in the woods. And I got home for Chelsea to, to release the information to me that Deacon had lied. Deacon's five and a half. She had lied. So she's already been punished for lying to her mother. And so immediately afterwards, I'm standing in the living room and she's got a handful of coins and she's just shaking them. I said, Deacon, where did you get all that money? I found it in the floor, daddy. You don't find $6 worth of quarters in the floor. So immediately, what is she doing again? She's lying. Now, in order for me to show my daughter how much I love her, I had to correct and discipline her. And so what we're gonna be praying through, what we're gonna be looking at is when the Holy Spirit of God convicts, we have to learn to recognize that as the Father's love. That is our Father loving us when the Holy Spirit of God convicts us. And my prayer has been that we as the church, that we would come back to a place where we will recognize and begin to be thankful and sensitive to conviction. To be thankful and sensitive to conviction because this is the Heavenly Father's way of protecting us and ultimately drawing us closer to him. 
when he convicts us. Because you do realize that if it wasn't for conviction of the Holy Spirit, we would not know salvation. It takes the convicting power of the Holy Spirit for that. But as the believer, here's what I want you to know. Conviction is not condemnation. Romans chapter eight, verse one. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank God that we are not condemned, but we're just convicted. And so we're gonna jump into this book of Malachi. And like I told you, just go ahead and fasten your chin straps. But thankful we don't really start punching you in the mouth today. Okay, we're sort of laying the foundation. We're laying the groundwork, or we're not, but Malachi is through the inspiring word of God that God has placed on his heart. So before we go into the book of Malachi, to just, we need to paint the picture of the history and kind of the context of, of what is going on in this book so that we will better understand it moving forward. And so the history, the context of this little four chapter book is where the timing of all of this is when the children of Israel, um, when, this, when this was written, had been out of prison, had been out of bondage of Babylon for almost a hundred years. So they've been set free now for almost a hundred years. And remember, they were in bondage for over 70 years. So they've been set free now for a hundred years. This, this, the timing of this, this is 80 years after the temple had been rebuilt and after the temple had been finished. The timing of this, this is 10 years after Nehemiah had rebuilt the walls around Jerusalem. And so what we're seeing happen is God has done the miraculous. God has performed miracles and God has given the children of Israel everything they need to thrive. Everything that they need to continue moving forward with the mission of God. And so we know that through reading the scriptures that their emotions were very high. They were, they were very excited about what all had God had been doing and what God had done. But because of life's circumstances, because of life's situations, all of those, that high energy, all of that enthusiasm, all of that excitement had begun to, to wear off. And so what the children of Israel had began to do is they started going back into the old same stagnant, sinful ruts that they had once been in. They'd begin to go back to some of the old routines and some of the same hoops that they had always been jumping through. But now Malachi's job is to call them out for what they're doing. It's to call them out for what they're doing. Malachi has been given the responsibility to deal with this mess. And when you look at the name Malachi, we know that that stands for literally my messenger. And so God has chosen Malachi to deliver this message to the children of Israel. And what we're gonna find is in the reading of this book is this is the last time that God will speak for 400 years. After this book closes out, God goes silent for 400 years. And so what we can read into that is it's time and time again, the children of Israel had been warned 
Ezra had warned him. Nehemiah had warned him. And now he's gonna give Malachi one more chance to warn them of their sinfulness and of their hypocrisy and their rebellion. And we all know that the children of Israel, they usually don't respond very well. And so it's almost as if God says, okay, you want it your way? You can have it your way. And he goes silent for 400 years. And so I want you to flip to Malachi chapter one. And we're gonna read verses one through five today. Um, I, don't, I don't look at this, I don't look to this series for it being like the book of Colossians that took us like six months to go through. Um, but we're just gonna trust the Lord and see how far he takes us. I had planned on going a lot further than verse five today, but just with the foundation that needs to be laid today, this is where the Holy Spirit of God led us to stop. But I want you to flip to Malachi chapter one, and we're just gonna read verses one through five. Malachi starts out and it says, the oracle, some of your Bibles may say the burden, the oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. Verse two. I have loved you. I want you to highlight that. I want you to underline that because that's gonna be the theme of today. I have loved you, says the Lord. But you say, how have you loved us? Very sarcastically, by the way. Was not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob. But I have hated Esau and I have made his mountains a desolation and I have appointed his inheritance for the jackals of the wilderness. Though Edom says that we have been beaten down, but we will return and build up the ruins. Thus says the Lord of hosts, they may build, but I will tear down. And men will call them the wicked territory and the people toward whom the Lord is indignant forever. Verse five. Your eyes will see this and you will say, the Lord be magnified beyond the border of Israel. God, I thank you for your word today. And God, I pray that I don't know what people are carrying in this room, but God, I know that life's circumstances so many times cause us to question, do you love us? And God, I pray that today would be a reminder that the shedding of your son's blood was all the reminder that we as the New Testament church need to know how much you love us. And so God, I just pray that you would move in this place and God, I pray that we would respond to that movement and we'll give you the praise for what you do here today in Jesus' name, amen. As we pointed out in the very first verse, it says the oracle or the burden of the word of the Lord. What that, go, 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 what that begins to do is it sets the stage for the weight of the rest of this book. We hear the burden that Malachi has. We hear the weight of the message that he's about to have to deliver. And so what this is setting the stage for is that we know this message is, is gonna be stern and we know this message is, for lack of better words, gonna get very personal because he's gonna be sharing of their sin and their rebellion and their hypocrisy. And this is why it's so heavy 
on the heart of Malachi. This is why he's so burdened with this word of the Lord. And, and I would ask you the question, has God ever placed it on your heart to call somebody else's sin out? Has God ever placed it on your heart when you see a brother or sister in Christ who is walking in sin, who is returning back to that rut or that stagnant lifestyle as a believer and God has placed it on your heart for you to call them out? Has that ever happened? It's happened to me. And I can very well relate to why Malachi is carrying the weight of that. Because our flesh will tell us, oh, if you call them out, they're gonna say you're judging them. If you call out the sin in their life, we are so worried about how they're going to respond. We're worried about how they're gonna treat us. But the reality is if the Holy Spirit of God has placed something on your heart, you are now responsible to be obedient with that. How they respond to it is on them. That's not on you. So our job as the believers is when God lays something on your heart, when God illuminates something in somebody else's life, it is now your responsibility to call that out. But the reality is I know that's heavy. I know that's a burden because we always worry about how they're gonna respond. And, and we're gonna see how the children of Israel responded in just a little while. But the very thing that I want us to focus so heavily on this morning is the phrase that I told you that I wanted you to highlight, that I wanted you to underline, because here's what I know. There's somebody here this morning that you need to hear this. You have forgotten this, you have gotten distracted, and you have begun to now question, does God love me? But the very first thing that Malachi delivers through the power of God is that God wants the children of Israel to know. He says that, I have loved you. Now in the English language, when we look at that word loved, that is a past tense verb. So when I read that, I kind of get depressed because I'm like, man, that's like a country song. That's like he's, you know, breaking up with them. Like, I used to love you, but I don't anymore. I mean, that's, if you listen to country, that's, that's the theme of country music. So I'm going, man, God, you loved us, but what does it mean? Did you not anymore? But what we have to understand is that that verb, loved, in the original language is not limited to past tense. When we look at the verb loved here, it means there that, yes, I have loved you, and what God is saying is not only have I loved you, but I do love you and I will continue to love you. This phrase, this, this verb is a present tense verb, meaning that yes, I have, yes, I do, and I always will. And church, why that is so impactful is because that's the very first thing that God wants the children of Israel to know. I have loved you, I do love you, and I will love you. There's no strings attached. There's no stipulation. The same way that a parent wants their child to know we love them. But why that is so comforting, why that should be so empowering is the timing of when God tells the children of Israel that he loves them. They're living in sin. They're living in rebellion. 
They're living in hypocrisy. They're going through the motions of worship. They're going through the motions of religion. And God knows that. So what God does is what every loving parent should do. First thing he says is he tells your children, I love you. I love you in spite of the way you're living. I love you in spite of your sin. I love you in spite of your hypocrisy. I love you in spite of your rebellion. I have loved you, I do love you, and I will always love you. Church, we could stop right here. We could stop right here and not go any further because there's somebody in the room this morning that is doubting that that is doubting God's love for you because of what you're living in, because of what you have done, or even what you're gonna do tomorrow. So church, the message that God is relaying to the children of Israel is the same message that he wants us, the New Testament church, to hear today, that in spite of your wickedness, despite of your hypocrisy, despite of your sin, I have loved you, I do love you, and I will always love you. Church, that should be the most comforting news, especially in this world we're living in right now. That the Father is full of grace. He's full of mercy. And praise be unto God, he's full of forgiveness. And as a parent, that's the very thing we want our children to know. And that's the very thing the heavenly father wants the children of Israel to know. My love for you is not based on you. I love you because you're mine. I love you because you're mine. Even though you constantly rebel, I'm gonna constantly forgive. Even though Deacon's gonna constantly lie, I'm gonna constantly love because she's mine. She's mine. But you know, I couldn't help but pause right here. This is kind of a side note. This really has nothing to do with with Malachi chapter one, but yet it has everything to do with Malachi chapter one. If we as a body of believers would learn to recognize and learn to remember how much God loves us and the grace that he's extended us, the mercy that he's extended us, the forgiveness he's extended us, why in the world do we as Christians have such a hard time reproducing the very love that God gives us? Because what we do, the way we respond is when somebody makes us angry one time, when somebody comes against us one time, when somebody offends us one time, we're done with them. We cut them off. Nope, that's it. You've offended me. I don't trust you anymore. I don't like you anymore. Aren't you thankful that the heavenly father doesn't love you that way? He loved you. He does love you and he will always love you. What would the church look like if that's how we loved each other? In spite of our sin, in spite of our misunderstandings, in spite of our conflicts, let's love each other 
and let's always love each other. We're not perfect. That's what we all have in common. You realize that, right? We're all a mess. I don't care how good you think you are, you're not that good. And I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. But we read here, the first thing that God wants the children of Israel to know, I have loved you. And what I'm about to tell you, I'm telling you this because I love you. I always go back to my childhood and those parent talks. And you know where I'm going with this. My dad had a two inch black leather belt. And I remember the, do y'all, did you, I mean, you, your, your little butt cheeks, they get all, oh no, you know what's coming. You know that, and then you start the dance. He holds your arm and you go to whipping around like that. I think that's where that whole dance thing came from, but you're just trying everything you can to get away from that belt. But how do they always preface that? This is gonna hurt me more than it does you. That is a lie from the pits of hell. I wanna say, okay, dad, if you believe that, give me the belt and you bend over. I'll show you who this is gonna hurt more and this is gonna hurt you a lot more than it is me. But we do that and what I found now is guess what? I'm telling my kids the same lies. It's not really a lie because sometimes it does hurt. But you see, what we're doing is we're wanting them to know why we're doing what we're doing. We want them to know why we're correcting them. We want them to know why we're disciplining them. It's not because we're angry, it's because we love them. And that is why God, the first thing out of his mouth is he says, I have loved you. Because what I'm about to tell you is probably gonna hurt. What I'm about to tell you is probably going to offend you. What I'm about to tell you is probably going to convict you. But the heavenly father wants them to know he loves them. Same way we as parents, when we correct our children, I'm doing this because I love you. And so while we all read that, we all know where the children of Israel have been. We all know what they were in. We know how God delivered. They rebelled. God continued to delivered. They rebelled. And you know the cycle. And so here God does it again. And we as outsiders looking in, we are going, how in the world can the children of Israel not recognize this love? And not to mention that, look how they respond. He says, I have loved you. And the next thing that they respond with is very sarcastically, how have you loved us? How have you loved us? And to us, when we read that, we think these, these people have lost their mind. Do they not remember what God's done? Do they not remember that God has delivered? Do they not remember that God has saved? God has provided them everything they need to provide, but yet they still question, God, how have you loved us? And we wonder why in the world are they questioning him? 
They are questioning him for the very same reasons that you question him, the very same reasons that I question him. Because guess what? In the context and the timing of this, life is not going really good. Life is a little bit difficult right now. They're in a very difficult season. Families are falling apart. The economy is declining. Their crops are dying. Their fruit is not being produced on the vine because of a plague. Are y'all seeing some things that are very similar to what we as a world are living in? You see how closely we can relate to the children of Israel? Because we're in a tough season. We're in a tough spot. And what's going on in the minds and the heart of the children of Israel is they are allowing the worldly circumstances to overshadow the fact that God has delivered and God has saved them. I wonder how many of us in this room this morning that we look on the news, just stop looking at the news. We look on the news, we look at the internet, we look at the TV and we begin to question, we begin to be full of doubt and fear and all of these emotions that well up and all of the distractions cause us to forget that God has saved us by his grace. And that scoreboard never changes. But we look around us just like the children of Israel and they're looking around at their life and things are, not going as planned. They're having to battle, they're having to fight, they're struggling through this, they're struggling through that. Because maybe somewhere along the way, somebody told them, you know what, as long as you trust God, things will be smooth. Things will be easy as long as you're trusting God. But because of the worldly circumstances, they have begun to question God's love. How many of you in this room have done the very same thing? Maybe you're doing the very same thing right now. Maybe you've gotten a diagnosis from the doctor that scares you to death. Maybe your family's falling apart. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe everything around you, you seem like you're out of control and everything is in absolute chaos. What I want you to hear this morning is do not allow those circumstances, do not allow this world to hijack the fact that God has saved and redeemed you if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ and this worldly circumstances does not dictate your salvation. We have a promise from God. but it is so easy to forget. It is so easy to forget. And that's exactly what's happened with the children of Israel. Their circumstances have caused them to forget that God has delivered. Their circumstances have caused them to question do you really love us? Do you really love us? Church, here's a news flash. 
I don't care how bad this world gets. This is not our home. This is not our home. And that's the promise that we as the church need to cling to. That is the promise that we need to walk in. That is the joy and the excitement that we ought to celebrate every single day. Yes, life is gonna be hard. Life is gonna be tough. But Jesus still saves. And there's still coming a day that all this will be done. And that's what Malachi points them to, I'm not jumping ahead, but in chapter four, verses two and three, here's the promise that he will later tell the children of Israel in verses two and three. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings and you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. Verse three, you will tread down the wicked for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day which I am preparing, says the Lord of hosts. That ought to put some wind in your sail. That ought to put some gas in the engine. And not only that, let's don't stop. Let's look at what Jesus says in John chapter 16, verse 33. You ready for this New Testament church? These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. I've overcome the chaos that you're living in. I have overcome the world. So we see a promise that he has for the children of Israel and church. We need to remember the promise that he has for us. We need to remember the promise that he has for us. And in chapter chapter one, verse two and three, he kind of unpacks that promise. The second half of chapter, verse two, it says, was not Esau... Jacob's brother declares the Lord, yet I have loved Jacob, but I have hated Esau and I have made his mountains a desolation and I have appointed his inheritance for the jackals and the wilderness. You see, it appears there that he's talking about two brothers, but if you'll turn to Genesis chapter 25, we get a glimpse into what's going on here. Genesis chapter 25 Verses 22 and 23, this is about Jacob and Esau. It says, but the children struggled together within her. You're seeing that these two are twins and they they don't even get along in the mother's belly. But the children struggled together within her and she says, if it is so, why then am I there? Why am I this way? So she went to inquire from the Lord and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. And the two peoples will be separated from your body. And one people shall be stronger than the other. And the older shall serve the younger. So understand that when he's referencing Jacob and Esau right here, it's not about two brothers, but it's about two nations. It's about two nations. And both of these brothers would go on to be the, the fathers of these nations. Jacob 
would be the father of, of Israel. This would be God-chosen nation. These are, are God's children. These are the ones that God has chosen to make his name famous. But Esau was the father of the nation Edom who would come against Israel, who would plague Israel. But praise be unto God, God would later judge them. God would later judge them. He would condemn them because of their disobedience. And so we see that he's setting the stage for the conflict. There's those who are saved and those who are not. So we see the battle of Jacob and Esau that it began in their mother's womb. But what he is wanting them to understand, he said, because you are my children, because you are the children of Israel, don't lose hope. Don't quit fighting. No matter how bad the world gets, don't lose hope because you are mine. Don't focus on who comes against you. Don't focus on who's gonna fight you. But he's saying, turn your eyes back on me because you're mine. I am your hope. In church, even in our current situations, our current circumstances, it appears that we're losing. It appears that this isn't gonna turn out well. But can I tell you, according to the promise of God's word, you ready? We win. We win. That's all the promise we need, church. That's all the promise that we need is no matter how bad the world comes against us, no matter how bad the world makes church that much difficult, makes it that difficult, the reality is, is no matter how many times we're persecuted, no matter how many times people come against us, no matter how many times people try to silence us, church, we've got something to shout. We've got something to announce. We win. That's our hope. That's our promise. And we so quickly forget that. And so he's telling them here, he's look, Jacob, nation of Israel, I have chosen you. I've given you the priests. I've given you the prophets. I've given you the scripture. I've given you the temple. I've given you the promise. And I'm even gonna give you the Messiah. I'm gonna send the one who will take, send the one who will take away the sins of this world. I'm giving it all to you because you are mine. And because you are mine, you're gonna walk in my glory. You're gonna walk in my victory because you're mine. Church, that's good news. Because we're his, we're gonna walk in his victory. We're gonna walk in his glory. And when we begin to see that, then our worship becomes true. Then our worship becomes authentic. Let's don't lose hope today because we're his. 
If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, if you have trusted in him for the forgiveness of your sins and you've repented of those sins, you are his. And there's nothing this world can throw at you that can change that. Nothing the world can throw at you that will change that. And look how he closes out this section in verse five. Your eyes will see this and you will say, the Lord be magnified beyond the border of Israel. So God here is basically telling him, he says, look, I'm not just gonna talk about it. I'm gonna do it and you're gonna see it. And when you see it, you're gonna talk about it. You see, God doesn't just talk. God promises and God fulfills that. You see, God has chosen the children of Israel to carry his flame of glory. And for us here this morning, who have been saved by the grace of God, be reminded today that God has chosen you to now carry the flame, to shine his glory into a lost and a dying world. You know, I shared this a while back and this is not even in my notes, so I don't even know why we're going here, but we're gonna go here. You know, I know as a parent, we've talked about this before, is how we can very easily get in a pity party even for our children. Because we can always go back to the good old days. We can always go back to when it seemed that life was easier. And every morning I can look at Brock and Andy and Cooper and Deacon and and if I'm not careful, I can let the, the worldly circumstances cause me to forget how much my father loves them. And so I used to pray. I used to pray that God would just take us back to normal. God, take us back to the way it used to be because God, I don't want my kids to grow up in this mess. God, I don't want my kids to have to live like this. But God has quickly reminded me, Brian, I've chosen those babies of yours to carry the flame into the skulls. I've chosen those babies of yours to make my name famous. And I've almost felt God speak to me and say, Brian, look, we're not going back to the way it used to be. But I have prepared your warriors for such a time as this. And so now every morning, and as I drop them off at the door and we begin our bus route at Chestnut Mountain Elementary School, all the kids stand up and we we hold hands and we put hands on each other. And I used to pray, 
God, let things go back. God, protect my kids and let things go back. But now what we pray every morning is God, you use Brock, you use Andy, you use Cooper to be the light in a dark world. God, you empower them to love people who they don't wanna love. God, empower them to give hope to the hopeless. Because here's what I know, my kids are gonna be stronger than their daddy ever was because God has chosen them for this season. So let's don't, tra- let's don't pray that things go back to normal. Let's pray that the church has a new boldness. Let's pray that the church has a new fire. Let's pray that the church has a new excitement. And the way that we do that church is we don't forget that God has saved us. This world doesn't dictate that. But we as the body have got to speak it. We've got to live it. And we better love people the way that he loved us. That's what we're called to do. And I've really gotten off track. But you see the children of Israel, because life around them was not going the way they planned. They were discouraged, they were frustrated. They probably dealt with depression. They probably dealt with anxiety. And they let the worldly circumstances hijack their worship. They let everything around them hijack their worship. There's no doubt in my mind that there's probably many of us in this room this morning, you're you're frustrated. You may be fearful You may be more anxious than you've ever been. You may be dealing with depression, maybe for the first time. And as a result of that, the way that we're responding to that is we're questioning, does God love me? Does God love me? And so all through the book of Malachi, what they did is they took their eyes off God and they put their eyes on the things that they wanted to do. And Malachi gets the responsibility to call all that out. That's coming next week. During this season of difficulty, during this season of of frustration, I would ask you the question this morning, Where have your eyes gone? Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. 
and also a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org. And don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.